podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to an EPL Index special. I'm your host, ladies and gents, Dave Davis, coming to you from a cold, windswept, but not rainy, fortunately, Edinburgh. And I am here to talk about all things in regards to the title race. People are saying it's the race we've always wanted, that it's closed, there's various options. However, we're about to talk if that's just pure fantasy or there is a reality there. And I'm very, very pleased to say, not done one with him before, but an Anfield Index regular, the host of Rival Recon, so we'll know all about opposition teams joining me, is Harry Setti. Harry, how are we? I'm good, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, good to be speaking. It's it's similarly cold here. I don't think it's raining just yet, but yeah, it's uh, pretty dark, pretty miserable. So delighted to be talking about football. Yeah, indeed. As we hit that autumnal feel, as we hit towards <laughs> the, the Christmas period. And I mean, Harry, there's so much to sort of walk through here, especially at the top. I mean, there's literally three points that separates the top four and then, you know, there's clubs behind. So we'll talk through whether we think people are runners or whether they'll be fallers. We'll talk about who are title contenders, who are top four contenders, and we'll sort of really get into it. And me and Harry, ladies and gents, we will put our necks on the line as well. So we'll revisit it to see if we got it spot on or we are for the guillotine as it were. So, I suppose if we look at the, let's start the the big prize, Harry. This is always the business one, isn't it? The important one, the title race. So if we sort of analyse the, the four teams and we'll do them one by one in sort of the ranking order as they are now, it's thinking, because oh, I've got quite strong opinions on this, I'm not going to lie, whether we class them as real runners or we think they're going to be fallers from a horse mm. race and a betting perspective. And... You know, why we're thinking that, any strengths, weaknesses, sort of initial thoughts about the start of the season as well. And probably the ultimate place to start, you've got to go with the top of the table, Harry. Ange Ball, Spurs, 23 ah. points. You know, I think someone said they're their best, if not the best ever sort of opening for a new manager in the Premier League. It all seems to be pointing rosy. Spurs fans seem all happy, all great. You know, everything's going swimmingly. Harry, are you about to burst that bubble? Do you class Spurs as a real runner in this race or do you think they're going to be a faller? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, growing up in uh, growing up in North London, got a lot of friends who are, who are Spurs fans and they are happier than I can remember seeing or hearing from them for a very long time, I have to say, because uh, they're friends. You know, you know, you don't begrudge them too badly. You're always happy to True. to see your mates happy. And they, they have had a pretty miserable time, I think, uh, certainly when it comes to... I, I, I just got the sense, speaking to them over the past few seasons, I mean, the managers who were there didn't really want to be there. A lot of the players who were there didn't really want yeah. to be there. The fans didn't couldn't really buy into any of these projects. I think a lot of them were... I think a lot of them are pretty heartbroken after the way in which it ended for Pochettino. And then since that point, uh, there's been a lack of coherence, a lack of clarity about them. So I think Postacoglu coming in, it's, I think what what we're seeing around the revitalization of the club, the fans, the players, uh, I think it's real in in terms of that side of things. People are enjoying this more than they've enjoyed it for a long time. And yeah, we talk a lot about, Stats and the underlying numbers on on plenty of the yeah. pods on, and I've index plenty of the pods on EPL index as well. Um, but yeah, there is always that intangible, and we, and we know it. We know it well when when you get everybody pulling in the same direction, and the feeling is good. It won't carry you all the way, and that's why I'm going to get to my point eventually. But it can carry you quite a long way, and uh, a good start is very important if you. If you want to build a genuine challenge, do I view Spurs as genuine title contenders? No, I don't. I, d- I don't think so. I think, I think what they're doing right now uh, is probably outperforming what they're truly capable of in the long run. Yeah, uh, carried carried on this wave of optimism, this wave of uh, like enjoying the football again. But I think it's it's a pretty precarious uh, sort of uh, ride, uh, if you will. 
Yeah, I have to admit, and it's sorry, Spurs fans, we are not trying to sort of burst your bubble. We're just being honest here, but I've got exactly the same sentiments. I've got to be honest that I also look at a few things like their fixtures, to be honest, Harry. They do seem when you of stack course. them up against who's at the top there. They've, they've had some good ones, shall we say. You know, they, mm-hmm. they only just beat Sheffield United at home. You know, Fulham at home isn't it a bad one. You know, even a 10 men, yes, but, you know, the looting away. You know, that, they made that look quite tough. And the, the other things I was thinking as well, and listen, they've had great starts to the season. Let's be clear on this. But Son, Madison, do I expect them to keep this level up? I mean, I think Son's on seven goals already, which is absolutely brilliant. He's had a brilliant start before, though, hasn't he? And, you know, not, I wouldn't say gone missing, but it, it seems nigh on impossible to keep that standard up for most players. So there's just that. And... This is going to sound like a dig at Spurs, Harry, but it's not. I've just got to be honest on this. I have noticed that there's been big celebrations already. I mean, you probably remember it when they beat Liverpool, that, you know, the last minute Matip own goal and a few others. <laughs> yes. It's an interesting one. There's a, I'm sure there's a better way of phrasing this, but almost they, the celebrations, the disco lights were going off at the stadium. Mm. You know, all the players are over by the fans, whooping and hollering and all that. Now, understandably, as you said, for the history, what they've been through recently, I get that. I understand that optimism. But without wanting to be absolutely brutal, the top teams are not celebrating anything at this stage of the season, are they? This isn't the business end. This is it's, it, You can be out of it, but you can't win it, shall we say, as the old platitude goes. But do you, how do you kind of make out the way they are optimistic? Do you think they are almost overly optimistic at this stage, would you say? I mean, the impression I get from sticking to the Spurs mates I know, who I've known for many years, to be honest, is, um, I mean, I, th- I don't think any of them expected it to have gone this well so far, so soon. I think I think I, the, the sense I get from them, and, and again, this is not to try and it's not to try and drag them down, um, but you know, when you speak to, I mean, I, I, I speak to so many sort of journalists and fans from the, like clubs across the league each season, and certainly when there's like a newly promoted side, or for example, or uh, a side that's been on uh, quite a journey, for example, Brentford, uh, and speaking to them over the past few seasons, yeah. I'm not comparing Spurs uh, to Brentford in terms of the size of the operation going on there, obviously, but I, I, I get a similar sense in, in that the, it's been such a it's been such a rubbish time for them over the past few seasons that they are very much just enjoying the ride at the moment. Like uh, even against Liverpool, yes, I mean, <laughs> I, I finished that game, which a lot of Liverpool fans finished that game in a very different mood. I thought we just robbed on the day. I thought, thought we were the, the better team and we were all ready to burst that Spurs bubble. But, you know, when you score late, uh, a last-minute winner, even if it's an own goal, and if, even if you don't deserve it, I'm not going to police your celebration. I, I, I get it if I was there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'd, I'd, I'd probably celebrate a little bit. But I do agree with you. I think, you know, when we come to talk about who's a realistic title contender, why they're not really realistic title contenders, you, you've got to prove that you've got that steel when when the intensity really ramps up, when the pressure's really on you, uh, yeah. not at this stage, when it's really there and, and people are looking at you to go, okay, now can you put 14 games together? Now can you put 12 games together? Can you go to a difficult away fixture, to a top six side and pick up a point or make sure you're not, yeah, pick up three or make sure you're not losing? And I just don't see it a little bit. I mean, I mean Son, you mentioned him, he, he does, you know, to tell me to look at the numbers a little bit. I mean, he, he, this is a guy who does outperform his numbers every single year. He's, he's remarkably consistent, even when he has those patches. But uh, yeah, I, I looked at the season and thought, you know, surely he's going to suffer a little bit. You know, Kane, his partners departed and the way in which he started. I mean, I just, I, I don't view it as sustainable. I, don't, I also don't think they've got the attacking depth to deal with somebody like him being absent for for a good while as well. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, we we've seen it ourselves as you know, Liverpool fans. Yet you have, we have to admit, you know, we, we saw. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I can remember Klopp uh, getting the players together to celebrate that two-two win. Uh, sorry, two-two draw uh, against West Brom, like it was a True. win. You know, that, that last-minute goal from Origi. I'm not not saying they're on that journey, but there's a there's a there's a mo- there's a reason behind what Postecoglou is trying to do. Um, you know, you've heard some of his comments about, you know, letting the fans get carried away a little bit. It'd be very interested to see 
how they do when they do have a sticky patch. You look at some of their fixtures that are coming up as you're talking about what they've had so far. Yeah, a trip away to Palace. Um, Chelsea not not looking too good, but that's coming up. I mean, there's a Villa City in there. It does get tougher. Um, yeah. And you wonder how they're going to react to that. Um, and if they do lose a few of those players, those key players, Basuma being another one of them, how do they react? Like, uh, and you look at the the wins they've had, a couple big scorelines in there. I think that's really about the, the the opponents they've faced. Tended to be quite tight affairs, to be honest. And I, I just wonder if some of those goals, sorry, some of those games, the sliding doors moment start to go the other way for a little bit. How how will they react? Like I said, Spurs to, to me at the moment feels like a high wire act. Uh, and I think it could, I think, it, I think they could fall off. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. I think we, we've definitely moved them into, enjoy it Spurs fans, but we're, we're being honest, we're struggling to see you there at the end of the season. We could well be wrong. Yeah. We are not savants yeah. by any means, but that's where they're we're going. They're a catfish. They're a catfish, yeah. Dave. That's, the, <laughs> that's I think. There you go. So moving from, from probably catfishes, to be honest, to the real deal. I mean, second in the table, people are talking about how they've had mm. a bad start. But, Harry, City are a couple of points off it. And, I mean, you look at the players they've been missing, whether it be through injury or suspension, surely only a fool rules them out of any type of contention or probably the, the red-hot favourites for you, would you say? Yeah, I think I, th- I think you have to you base it on the pedigree that the sides have, right? I mean, we spoke about who's able to to, to look on their record and say, oh, well, you know, we can do 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 games on the spin if, if we need to. We've got that experience, that muscle memory. We know how to do it. There's enough players in the squad, the manager, the, the staff, even the fans to a, to a degree, right, are starting to become accustomed yeah. to that sort of success. They know how to do it. Um, I... It's it's weird. I, I, the past few seasons, I mean, you, you 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 there's periods where you watch this city side and you think it's it doesn't strike me as you know like the 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 best iteration of of these uh, of these pep sides. But he finds a way to get this side dominating games in such a way that I think there's there's an aura about them. Not not quite what United had, but similar to that in terms of a lot of these games they're dictating how these games are played. The opposition come and they they have a certain yeah. approach. Not many people really go at them. And the way in which they play allows them to dominate those kind of games, control them. Uh, and you know, very often it comes down to you know, who's got more quality. <laughs> and they have, they have a lot of quality. Let's face it, they are always restocking their stockpiles of uh, talented players in, in most positions. But I think what we've seen so far this season from them is they do tend to take a little bit of time to fully get going, to be honest, most seasons in terms of like picking up true, um, true sort of full power, if you will. Yeah. We spoke about, spoke about Spurs there at the start. And you know, it doesn't matter if you win these games like this at the start of the season. It matters because you want to keep yourself, you know, in contention. You want to keep yourself as close as you can to City and, you know, the likes of Liverpool in the past as well, because you know that those sides, when it comes to the business end, they'll continue to motor and you got to try and keep up. And, I think that's that's what I'd be prepared for if I'm, you know, if you're thinking about facing cities, you've got to keep as close as possible to them because they have that capacity in them. When it comes to the real business, the meat of the season, they'll they'll start to you know, turn on the the third, the fourth engine, and they'll really go for it. I think what what you can see though this this season, I think it's. Yeah, you don't wish injury on any player, but the absence and the integral nature of a player like Rodri uh, to this side, yeah. just how influential he is. I think he is so good at his role and so integral to the system, the city play that he allows them to dominate games in a way in which they're not able to do that when he's not there. And I think you've seen that of late with some of these losses, you know, obviously the loss to Wolves, the loss to Arsenal, uh, you know, tight games, I'm not saying they're getting battered by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not quite able to really turn the screw in the way in which they're able to when they've got that comfort blanket of of Rodri there. So we've, we've seen how much money people have spent on the number six position or how much money certain clubs haven't spent. If you're looking at Liverpool, I suppose this um, this summer, obviously ending up going for, for Endo. But yeah, City, 
Um, I've been lulled into a false sense of security with City too many times over the past few years, thinking that ah, it doesn't look like the best iteration of of City that I've seen, and then they're able to ramp it up. Haaland, you know, when he when he ramps back up, he's a flat track bully, and I expect him to score goals in. Yeah, he'll be the dross win the league is is what one of our friends says, and yeah, I, he's very much capable of, of being that instrument for City still. So, I think yeah, they have to be the favourites, and everybody else has to be really looking at them and thinking, well, our aim is to get is to stay as close as we possibly can, and then look to you know look to double down on our strengths. That's certainly what I'm hoping for 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 Liverpool. Yeah, I'd agree wholeheartedly with that because. Like most neutrals or other teams, you want to believe, don't you? You want to believe that having won that treble, the hunger drops off. You want to believe that maybe these players are not quite the same. And you look at something like, as you said, not wishing injury on players, but De Bruyne are out with you know surgery a large part of the season. Oh, yeah. So you want you want to see a lot of things. And like you said, you some will take a bit of encouragement from the fact that even in their wins, like you said, Dead Brighton at home the other day, Sheffield United mm. away. They've definitely been nowhere near their attacking imperious best. And then people even look and say, look at that Arsenal game as well. They've lost, you know, all those types of things that I just have a feeling that I'm not saying they're irrelevant, but it may just be clutching. I think it really comes down to a couple of things for me, like you. They will click at some point. The, you know, history tells us that they are the team that's capable of just turning on a results machine, so to speak, as well. Rodri, I think you've nailed it on the head for me, is absolutely integral. I know people will look to De Bruyne coming back, Haaland. Yes, they are the stars. Yes, they you know they play such a big part. I am not disputing that for one second. But exactly as you said, Harry, you look at City without Rodri and they're just a different proposition. And what's also clear is, for whatever reason, we'll never maybe know behind the scenes, but when he's out, Pep doesn't trust Calvin Phillips as well to come in and play that six. You know, they look for alternatives, don't they? Or yeah. moving people around, shall we say. So, it, I also think, I was just going to say, I, mean, I think also we, we, we shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't take for granted the, the loss of, you know, like we, they've lost key players in the past and, you know, sort of big, big figures in the dressing room. And you always wondered, oh, is that going to make them slightly more vulnerable um, and I am reminded, I mean, the, the past few seasons, a player who's caused Liverpool fans a lot of pain, uh, certainly just by the, by the way in which he, he pops up when they've needed him the most. But Gundogan not, no longer being yeah. there is another one of, the, of their talismans who, I mean, I do get stick for saying this at time, from, from, from time to time, but I'm still of the opinion that I've yet to see Haaland dominate a big game in the way in which I've seen other uh, big players for City do. Uh, you know, really stamped their authority on a big game, not just scored the final goal in a 3-1 or a 4-1 um, in those games. I'm not saying he's a, clearly a phenomenal striker, but I've yet to see him do do what I've seen Gundogan do, do what I've seen De Bruyne do, do what I saw David Silva do, Aguero. Like, there's different, it still feels slightly different with him. So I wonder, will they, will, will they rue missing Gundogan? And yes, they've added Doku and he looks, he looks nice and exciting, but yeah, I I, I want to allow myself to say that they look a little bit more vulnerable than than usual, and yeah, everybody else in the league who wants to be a contender, all you got to do is make it so that when they do start to click and they look over their shoulder, they're stunned to see two or three like right behind them because that's that's a yeah. pressure that they haven't really felt before. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, but. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be there. We all know there and thereabouts. And a team that is it's fascinating. I always think it's the most fascinating team in a way. Because when you speak to Arsenal fans, you know, there's a real belief. And you think of how they, they did last season, Harry. They were going so well. They were almost so far ahead at one stage. And then Arsenal fans won't appreciate me saying this. Kind of collapsed or had average form, let's say, at the business end. You know, when the pressures ramped up. Naturally, people will look at the signings they've made, the experience they've taken from that this season or going into this season. And obviously other things are revolving around like the number one debate. Short question, no doubt going to be a long answer for obvious reasons, Harry. Arsenal, a real runner or a late faller for you again? 
I I think they are a vastly improved side. I think they uh, the addition of Declan Rice. Um, whilst I I have to, I have to admit, put my hands up. I don't think he's I, I don't rate him as highly as I know a lot of Arsenal fans do. I think he's an excellent player. I think that's it. Um, but again, an excellent player in the role in which you need within a system can you know you can really help you reap the benefits. I think he's yeah, he's he's helped improve them um, even further. But for me, we spoke about Spurs earlier on, and sort of obviously again growing up in North London, we got a lot of Spurs uh, mates, got a lot of Arsenal friends as well. Um, I mean, the reaction very different, I'd say, over the past few seasons to. Uh, the reaction I've seen from some of my Arsenal friends, um, I'm not saying this is everybody by any stretch over the past few seasons as they've progressed and maybe, you know, I think they've, you know, they're ahead of schedule. I think it's fair to say about Arsenal. Uh, their fans, I, mean, I, I think they've bought into the, uh, bought into how good they are a little bit too much before they've actually proven, uh, you know, anything, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think they've, they're a side that has, continue to improve in nearly all areas and they should be applauded for it and fans are right to be excited and of course you should get carried away be optimistic about it but what it really comes down to we're talking about city talking about liverpool what they what they've proven in the past what have you actually proven when 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 it really rat, the pressure ratchets up and it's the business end and you're in the difficult moments you're missing players you've played in europe in midweek it's not. It's not comfortable. You're, you're, like, how are you going to react to it? I, I just. I, I see them coming up short again. I, I have to say. Uh, I think there's. There's. Whilst there's clearly a team there that's maturing together, and that's a really valuable thing. I still think that there's. I think there's going to be a little bit of a lack of real leaders when it matters, the most, and I think they're creating unnecessary problems for themselves a little bit. I think this. This number one debate around Raya uh, or Ramsey, uh, well, not Ramsey, Ramsdale, sorry. Uh, just be honest, I mean, I think, I think neither of them are world class keepers. Uh, I think actually probably Ramsdale's probably a better shot stopper, if you will. I think I think Raya's clearly been bought for his uh, supposed comfort with his with his yeah. feet, but I, I I don't see either of them as elite goalkeepers, uh, and I think. You sort of need one of those to to help you when it gets to the, the business end of a of a Premier League campaign, and I think rotation of goalkeepers. Sure, you see it from competition to competition from times. You know, maybe you have a European goalkeeper. We've seen Kelleher for Liverpool come in have good success. Adrian to limited uh, instances in the past, yeah. but I I don't really understand what you're doing here uh, with. You know, bombing out a player who, for my reservations about him in Ramsdale, very popular amongst the Arsenal fan base, clearly popular amongst that dressing room. I'm not sure what that really does for a player's confidence. It can be the best teammate in the world and it's not going to be feel too good to lose your place like that. Um, so I think a couple of unnecessary problems and I question the attacking depth that they have. Um, I think Nketiah, solid player. Uh, you know, good squad member, big drop off from Jesus in terms of what he offers them uh, in that role. I have reservations about Havertz and how just how well he will fill that role because I do think they'll try and play him in that role when when Jesus isn't there from time to time. And yeah, just I think you look at last season, and I mean, I yeah, people always like to throw around the bottling thing, right? To to, to side and it's yeah, that's the the internet's lingo now when it comes to teams that try and compete with with really? uh, with with the death star but um yeah i just felt that when when it really mattered and the pressure really ratcheted up and there was actual intensity of competition they just fell away um and and i think that's a little bit to do with an experience a little bit to do with like a lack of depth they've improved that depth but i just think they'll they'll be found they'll be found lacking a little bit again with this addition of European football now to have to contend with Champions League football rotation. There'll come some difficult moments and don't get me wrong. I think they've proven already they are a resilient bunch. I think that they've, they've come back in a number of games, clearly a side that fights for each other. Uh, you know, a young group, like I said, that's maturing together is always, always great, but you know, I, just, I, I see them coming up a little bit short. Like, do they have that steel, you know, like about them? I, I, I've yet to see it. 
Yeah, I, uh, it's kind of a weird one because I, I agree. And I see, like you said, I see the improvements. It is a young side. So they will develop. They will get mm. inherently better as players, you know, with experience, all that type of thing as well. I did look, as you mentioned, about European football. I mean, very much last season, Arsenal had almost a Europa side and a Premier League side, that full rotation. It mm-hmm. never works that way in the Champions League because of the nature of the competition, as we know, the stresses that go with it, etc. So that comes into the, the thinking. The, the other thing that I put a big question mark against Arsenal, and everyone's going to talk about the experience and all that, no doubts, that's the biggest one. But the other one I think sometimes gets forgotten, as you alluded to, a goal scorer. They've got good attacking players, but almost like a a Salah, a Haaland, someone like that who's going to, you know, score for Arsenal each week. You, but yeah, probably I'll be honest, the way I'd phrase it, you'd hope like Saka, Martinelli, mm. Odegaard got into double figures. I think, you know, you'd expect that off them and all that type of thing. But all the title winners, as we know, Harry, they have a, a 20-pluser, shall we say, you know, who goes beyond, really makes it happen. So I'm just quite putting a question mark there. Like you yeah. said as well, there's no such thing as two number ones. Absolute nonsense. It does nothing for anyone in that squad at all. It breeds a bit of uncertainty. They both play a different way, so they're adjusting each game, you know, if they were to rotate as well. All the top sides who've experienced or tasted glory have a number one, a top quality number one. You know who it is. And like you said, is it Raya for his feet, which is great, but he's a good keeper, don't get me wrong, but he didn't exactly cover himself in glory, shall we say, against Chelsea this weekend. Ramsdale, is he good enough to be almost a title-winning keeper for me? Bit of a question mark there. And then the other one is like, it's mentioned the signings that Rice, whatever you think about the price, you know, and I'm not trying to sort of rhyme like a rapper here, but very (laughs) much will improve them in that side. But the other ones, and listen, Timber's just purely unlucky. That's a horror, yeah. horrific for the lad. That's a terrible injury. So we'll never really know what could or could or would or should have happened there. But Havertz is probably the big question mark in terms of any player at the moment who's been signed for that type of money. Isn't he? There's a big question mark about it. I think this isn't to dig him out, but it tells its own story. They wanted to give him that penalty so he could get a bit of a cheer from the fans. That probably tells you how it's going. On the other side... <sighs> Is anyone else come in that I think's taken them to another level or improved them, shall we say, a key thing? Bar Rice, struggling to see it. There's a Saliba question, you know, if he was to go out as well, what have they got? So they they are a good side. They are improving. But like you said, until they put that trophy in the cabinet or a big something in the cabinet, there's going to be those question marks against them. So... I'm going to go with you. I think they're a late faller on the late offences, but I don't think they're going to the last day. And we'll probably let's move on to a team, Harry. Well, we'll try not to talk with our hearts (laughs) too much and be level-headed on this. Liverpool, you know, Uh. three points off the top from from Spurs. Arguably, I think you know, being neutral, as many people have said, the toughest opening from those teams. You know, if they're their fixtures, the away, that type of thing. But trying to be objective here. Real runners or late fallers for you? I think everything I've seen so far from this Liverpool side, uh, like sort of Liverpool reloaded, as uh, as 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 Klopp has alluded to them, uh, so much to be excited about. I think there's like a, a real like energy that's been injected back into the team with some of the midfield additions that have come through. Uh, some real excitement there, and um, I think. But I think what's more important to focus on is, yes, that's great. And it helps the system function better. And we needed that. You could tell at Liverpool, we needed that uh, injection of youth in midfield. Uh, the, the technical upgrade that they've got in midfield to go with the, the physical capacity is is huge, huge on what they had last season. And at the same time, you're seeing uh, the maturity that's starting to develop there. There's some of the partnerships that are starting to develop amongst some of the attack um, so obviously Darwin Nunes, who's 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 coming and looks more settled this season than he did yeah. last time. Still plenty of room to improve, but he's incredibly young. You can see there's a seems to be a bit more assurance about him. Uh and you've really been taken in by the group as you'd expect given the bunch that exists at Liverpool. So there's uh, yeah, there's I, I you look at this Liverpool squad, put it put it simply, it's, this is it's the best attack in the league. It's the best attacking depth in the league. No one can match them. I think they've 
the the variety of different ways in which that attack can hurt you and the different threats that they have swiss army knife if you will of different ways in which this liverpool team can can hurt you um you know from the muscle memory counter attacks to the high press when they're able to do it to set pieces to individual brilliance to uh, having the best player in the league and i think I'm, i think it's comfortable to say that at, the, at this point that the at the moment the best player in the premier league is 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 mo salah i think that i don't have to be biased on that the numbers numbers speak for themselves um he's he's there and you you've got that talisman and you've also got what we said that you know potentially you know, arsenal lack and uh, a goalkeeper that is you know, again probably one of the best if not the best goalkeeper in the world as well in terms of his ability to bail the side out in the biggest of moments uh, dis- display a consistency um, uh, an unflappability about himself even if he makes an error tends to recover from it pretty well so i think liverpool got this really interesting mix of you know really exciting attack uh like re-energize midfield albeit with some gaps which we've seen uh and they've got what i think we've talked about that has maybe been missing from a couple of these other sides that we discussed so far is that I don't, I don't think you can ever it's an intangible but i don't think you can ever underrate the importance of uh, having a number of different players in your team who have won things they've won things True. uh They've been there for these record 12, 13, 14, 15 game runs. You just find a way. You just find a way to keep putting the points on the board. They've been there and chased uh, City down um, as as long as any other side has managed to over the past few seasons. So that muscle memory doesn't disappear, I think. Um, and I think you can see some of the players that had poor seasons last season like regaining that uh, that muscle memory. Uh, I think there's a belief amongst the side again that they could do something. So my, my view on this Liverpool side, if I'm being purely objective, is that they've got the firepower uh, and the leaders amongst that team to be one of the two best teams in the league. And it's about, uh, they, they need a number of things to fall, fall their way. In order to be able to bridge that gap, which I expect there, you know, I expect City to be up there again. I think if Liverpool are going to truly compete, then they're going to need to show that consistency again that, that we haven't seen for a while in terms of putting those runs together uh, when it matters. And they've done they've, they've done well. A difficult start to the season. I think arguably could be three, four points up on where they are are at, even if. Even a little bit more could arguably be three or points yeah. or six points behind, right? That's that's that sort of defines this this Liverpool team at the moment. I think a bit precarious as well. Nowhere near as precarious as I'd say Spurs' success seems to have been so far. So, yeah, my opinion for Liverpool is they've got enough about them to blast their way to contention. Uh, it's just about a couple key things. Uh, you need Alisson. Still perform at the levels which he which he has done. You need Salah to keep on being the best player in the league, which he looks like he's comfortable with uh, in doing. And perhaps you need a couple of these new boys to really announce themselves this season. So the likes of Darwin Nunez, the likes of Soboshlai, uh, maybe a few others that we don't expect as well, just to to announce themselves. So I think. There's deficiencies amongst Liverpool. We've not spoken about the defensive side of the game. Obviously, that's a concern for lots of Liverpool fans. Uh, too many basketball games, not enough of the uh, yeah. controlling dominance we saw in the, in, in the seasons where they won the title or should have won the title. I mean, like, would have won the title any other season if it wasn't for the Death Star. Um, I think uh, they're not they're not showing they've got that about them just yet. So I think yeah, if we if we start to see that, then maybe you could talk with a little bit more confidence about their title contender, um, just how, if they're, if they're title contenders. But I think of those, you know, those four that we've mentioned so far, there's a really interesting mix of ingredients that Liverpool have with the manager who's, who's proven he could win it as well. Same with City that I think, you know, puts them above the, puts them above the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal when it comes to the crunch points of the season. You think that experience would be worthwhile, but will be valuable. So, I think they're the second best side in the league at the moment. If everything goes their way, 
And if things really go their way, well, then, you know, could be a, could be an exciting uh, business end of the season. Yeah, it's intriguing to see. I, I, I think very similar. I think the the question marks, as, as you mentioned, which, which we should call out, that everyone knows about Andy Robertson's shoulder injury now. So that's surgery, mm. isn't it? So 10 to, 10 to 12 weeks, which means it looks like, and who knows, because they may, may rotate or use other people, but Liverpool are very reliant on Kostas Simikas, it seems, yes. at left-back right now. I think people have got mm. question marks about that. Naturally, and I think it, there's been an adjustment in the Premier League calendar that there's a bit of a, a gap, so to speak, in January, which probably isn't a bad thing for Liverpool, especially with, as you say, your opinion, the best player in the Premier League, Mo Salah going off at AFCON with Egypt. I think the other big thing that you alluded to, if we talk about Rodri for City and his quality, there's a big question mark about Liverpool's number six, isn't it, at the moment? Who it is, who suits best, how that's working. I mean, yeah. Alexis McAllister seems to have the shirt there at the moment. An, an excellent player with, you know, impeccable pedigree, but at the same time, a six, I think Liverpool fans have got their yeah. own opinions on that. So, like you said, I think there is, um, there's probably a lot more question marks against Liverpool than there is City right now, you know, in the in the detail, which it always comes down to the small details, as we know at the, the later points as well, Harry. So, Liverpool will need a lot of luck, I think, to, to be yeah. right right there at the moment, but do seem well-equipped, I'd, I'd agree. And we will do our rankings later on, people, as much as Arsenal fans and Spurs fans are probably throwing things or screaming at us right now, we will get to our rankings, we do promise, and where we think people will finish. And I suppose part of that from the title, the one thing that, and hopefully this is exciting as well, Harry, there's real contenders, it seems now, for a top four spot because, I mean, Liverpool finished fifth naturally and Newcastle mm. broke into it last year. So people will look at them. But there's almost like a fresh blood from certain teams, which I do want to explore and talk about because the top four race could almost be as exciting as it's ever been potentially as well. So you, you can't start anywhere bar the team who's fifth and only a point or so behind Liverpool in Aston Villa. Unai Emery is... He's tearing up trees there. I mean, you look at their record in 2023. I think it was either the best or just behind City. Yeah, like their their home record, their wins on the spin. There may be a few question marks possibly against uh, away and things like that, which we'll talk about. And certain players are firing for them right now. There's no debate about that. Then again, we've got to be honest, Villa, a serious top four contender for you. Ah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. I think, again, you're, if, if you base it on what you've seen in the past and the muscle memory uh, that you associate with certain clubs, they've not proven it, right? They're not proven it for a long, long time that they have that steel uh, to put in those runs uh, to, to deal with the pressure that it takes when it comes to sort of like putting in a top four challenge. But what do they have? I mean, I think the the, the ability of Unai Emery, I think you have to, Say this is the guy who was largely derided when he came to the Premier League. Uh, yeah. and was that Arsenal mocked for? I mean, like the post-match interviews, his pronunciation of of, of evening, all that stuff. Uh, this is this is a tactically astute manager. And this is somebody who, for the large, for the most part, I think you know, sometimes you see him, you know, he makes bloopers like everybody. But I think what you see is a manager there who's very aware of adapting his side to like, basically exposing. Or targeting the opposition's weaknesses. It's we've seen it when we, I think Liverpool, we was when Liverpool played um, Villarreal yeah. and Sevilla in the past. So, I mean, it's, again, it's a European competition, but this is somebody who's really astute at figuring out where he can sort of hurt you and just poking at it. And like, like with with sides with lesser resources, lesser quality, like achieving great outcomes. Um, and I think you know what's important for him. And is you know, getting belief. I think he never had that really at Arsenal amongst the players and the fans necessarily. I think people didn't really buy into the project, maybe necessarily. Um, I think Villa's a nice club for him, a nice fit uh, in terms of the size of the club. Uh, but the the ambition is clearly there. And I think you know, there's a lot of sides that you look at in the league who the story of the past couple of Premier Leagues has been sides that probably should be in better order than they are and a bit more in disarray, a bit chaotic at certain clubs, lack of coherence, lack of clarity. I don't get that impression when I when I look at Villa. I see a lot of people like pulling in the same direction, 
a squad that looks to have bought in to their manager and what, what he's trying to get yeah. them to do. They can see the results of it. They can see that you know, some of them are playing their best football they've played in their careers. There's young, there's youth there. There's some exciting talents. I think Diaby's a really clever signing they brought in. Douglas Louise looks yeah. to be maturing great. There's Ramsey to come back. Watkins. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a talented side there. There's also a couple people on that side who've won things. And uh, Emmy Martinez, who we spoke about the importance of winning things. And this is a guy who's, right. who's won the biggest, uh, the biggest of all of them. And you can tell he's a sort of character who has that bite about him that could be valuable in in, in a pursuit of a top four uh, place. So I think you know, you'd look at their record over the past few seasons and think, well, oh, they've, they've, it's been a long time since they've proven they've got that sort of robustness about them to really do this. But that point I make about chaos and the lack of chaos that I see there, that can go a long way. I think it really when people start to believe and everyone's pulling in the same direction, you've got a tactically switched on manager and the players that you know, buy in can take you a long way. I, I don't see, I don't see what Villa are doing as being super precarious either. I think there's, yeah, it's, they've got, they've got some different ways of hurting you. And yeah, I think it's it's gonna it's gonna be really exciting to see how they develop. I think they're they're one of the more intriguing sides in the league uh, to see what how will they handle a tricky a tricky patch. Uh, but yeah, I think you only have to look at the table, see how they're performing so far. I think they're going to be a handful to to deal with this season. Yeah, zero. I mean, there's every reason for that whole end to sort of be positive, like you said, Ollie Watkins firing Diaby. I actually saw when I or thought when I saw his price, I thought that could be one of, if not the signing of the summer for value wise yeah. as well. I mean, that kid's you know he's so talented, he's fast, you know, left foot cutting in for the right, and, and he's made a huge difference to them. You look at, say, the 2023 form, Villa Park, how good they are at home. They're absolutely imperious. You know, I, I get the feeling they'll they'll mm. put some big names to the sword there this season. And like you said, the manager, they, have, for me, have got almost the best manager, you know, they could possibly have. Maybe, you know, I know people will, will debate Villa's history and all that, but Emery is a top-class operator and would fit in at a lot of, you know, the big, big clubs, as it were. So there is a lot to be positive there for Villa. On the other hand, there is still a few question marks about it as well. That Europe, you know, as they go further in that, which we expect them to, how will they do in that regard? Because they've not got the biggest squad. Also, as you alluded to as well, muscle memory. Villa haven't been in a race of sorts, if you know what I mean. When we're getting towards that business end, the last, you know, when you get to the last eight games sort of April onwards, and to be honest, it's almost irrelevant how you play. It's about the points and the results that you get, simple as that. So they've not yet experienced that pressure, so to speak, as well. So how they come under that. But I think, like you said, they are almost an exciting one to watch. And for the neutral, it is great that there's, newer blood, newer teams in there as well, because that keeps it fresh at the same time. And I suppose the team... That's that... off as well, isn't it, Dave? I mean, I mean yeah. we talked about the, 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 I mean, that lack of experience, but it also means that there's a lack of expectation. You know, I mean, I mean, there's, I, I don't think there's that pressure on them, really. I mean, it, it will be there at one point during the season if, if, they, if they really want to be a side that can finish in the top four. They will have to go through that. But for the moment, I don't think there's, I don't think there's that expectation from the fan base. I think people are just enjoying the ride um, but I, I, this, this manager's this manager's a more serious is a serious operator. Uh, I think people yeah. shouldn't shouldn't doubt that he's he's thinking about this already. He's thinking about how to how to chart a pathway through to that uh, uh, top four spot. And similar to what I was saying about Liverpool and some of the other sides, you want to win the title. You just got to stay in and around it. Just stay in and around it. If they can stay uh, around fifth, sixth, even seventh. Close on points, they're capable of putting a run together. As you, as you mentioned, the home form, imperious. Yeah, absolutely. They, they've definitely got a, a puncher's chance, no doubts about that. And I suppose one team that, if it's going to be Villa potentially that could come in as the newer boys, one team that did it last season, Newcastle yeah. stole the the top four, and they are an interesting side because a mixed start. Let's file it under that. Results seem to have turned around back to a positive nature again. They've got the Champions League to contend with. Newcastle, serious con- top four contenders for you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think um, 
it's it's a weird one when you can't. I've just I've never been sold. I've never been fully sold. I never I never um I never I've never been I never bought what Eddie Howe's been been selling. But I think he's <laughs> yeah, he's more more for me. I mean every 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 game that goes past is what he's getting out of this side. I think is is remarkable um, at times. And we spoke about the power of belief, the power of cohesion, and um, the fear that the fans believe as well. And I think that's that's very present in Newcastle. And it's been it's been it's something about when it's when a side has been deprived of it for so many years in the way in which Newcastle were as a club and uh, certainly under under Ashley. Um, it's probably a, a very potent cocktail that they've got back now. That this this belief um, amongst the entirety of the club flo- flows through everything. The optimism that comes with the the knowledge of the endless supply of investment that's no doubt going to mm. be funneled into the club, but they haven't necessarily you know, relied on that wholeheartedly when it's come to their success over the past few seasons. I think last season they overachieved by getting into the Champions League. I don't think they were a Champions League side. But they, um, you know, they took advantage of other sides Definitely. not playing up to their up to their ability. And you know, I'm not trying to be disparaging when I say not a Champions League side. If you finish in the top four, you're a Champions League side. But um, I think they're ahead of schedule when it came to that. So I wonder uh, this year. They seem to be enjoying the Champions League so far, but I wonder how that's uh, going to impact them as the season goes on. Seem to be free scoring, a real strong home form, as you as you mentioned there. They yeah, do enjoy that Liverpool obviously uh, stole the game uh, from them uh, up at St James's Park. Very satisfying, of course, um, and uh, somehow managed to do it twice last season as, as well. But you can only, only have to look at their fixtures to see just how strong they've become at home. And any side that wants to be in with a chance of finishing in the top four, that home form is is vital. It's vital that they are, um, when sides arrive at your ground, they think oh, it's going to be a rough afternoon. And I think, I think yeah, the majority of the of the sides that travel up to Newcastle um, in the league uh, are preparing for a horrible, you know, a horrible afternoon. To be honest, they put you under a lot of pressure. Um, there's a lot of belief up there. In terms of the players, I mean, we've seen sort of the progression of a, a number of them. Uh, Gordon, interested to see how he does this season. Can he yeah. truly kick on? Can he truly be that game changer for them when it matters? Uh, Gimeresh, I think he's already proven that he can be that. Uh, and it's, it's the defensive side as well. I, I never expected in a million years, to be honest, that I'd be talking about a, uh, a watertight, atletico light like style defensive approach from Eddie Howe, given what we saw from him at Bournemouth. But this is what he's. This is what he's creating. I think they're they're a frugal side at times when it comes to how they defend, and yeah, we, that's probably Liverpool's weakness in terms of uh, the inability to do that. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to rely on their attack this season if if they want to be in and around the top spots in the league. I think Newcastle proved last season they they can just fall back on that defence. Uh, you know, they had quite a few long runs where they displayed that you know, even if they were losing or even if things got tough, they'd only be edged out by by the odd goal here or there. Yeah. That's that's really valuable. Those points add up as the season goes on. So yeah, for me, solid top four contender. Um perhaps if they miss out on a couple of key players, the likes of Gimerish, Isaac as well, maybe they'll start to falter a little bit. European football gets a little a bit more tough. Um maybe gets it becomes a distraction. But as long as that defense is there, as long as that defensive approach remains intact, I think they've got a chance. Yeah, it is interesting that, like you said, they they, they were in there last season. It's it all feels like with Newcastle how they do against the question marks. Like you mentioned, they didn't have European football next season. They're in mm. the Champions League and they've got a hell of a Champions League group, haven't they? They've done well, you know, great result against PSG, but they've got to go there. Mm. They've been to the San Siro. It's almost when does that start to catch up with them potentially? Yeah, like you mentioned as well, certain players. I do. I could be wrong, but I do feel Isaac's so important to them in terms of goals and the attacking. It seems to be very much that he's the favoured one. Callum Wilson coming from the bench a lot nowadays, so that will be king. Yeah, the defence as well, like you said. I mean, the the defence. I almost feel like, in a way, it almost 
exceeded all expectations by some distance last season, those players, when you look at them and how well they did. There was just mm. a bit of a, there's been an initial dip. They seem to have sort of corrected the ship, so to speak, but a few against Liverpool, mm-hmm. you know, they, they shipped three to Brighton away, didn't they? Yes, one against mm-hmm. City, but most people are going to concede at the Etihad, that type of thing. So it's those almost question marks how they do against that. I think that will define where they almost rank, shall we say, and whether they do breach or retain that top four, which I'm going to be honest, I think would be a hell of an achievement for Eddie Howe if he could get back-to-back Champions League qualifications. Uh, a hell of an achievement with what they've got on. So that will be the interesting one because we're not far off predictions as well. And I've got to almost bring, bring these two teams together, Harry, because sure. they're big teams. They've spent a lot as well. They're well-known, you know, the struggles for different reasons. There's always going to be focus on these two. United and Chelsea. <laughs> are you looking at them as serious top four contenders this season? Chelsea is a, is a weird one. I, I, yeah. I, you saw the you saw the first half against Arsenal at the weekend, and you you, you had to look at that and, and thought, okay, yeah, if you can if you can replicate this level of performance, this level level of discipline, tactical discipline, mm. um, that's interesting. That's interesting because there looked to be a number of players there who bought into an idea, into an approach, uh, Pochettino get, getting them going. Uh, and doing what they did to Arsenal, I thought in, in that first half was was impressive. I, I, for me, Chelsea, there's a bit more coherence about them this season, uh, as you'd ex- probably expect from like, Pochettino coming in and trying to to deal with this huge squad uh, yeah. that he's, 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 he's been given. I think that's still an issue for them. Um, I, I, the, the two floors that's even the Chelsea side, to be honest, I mean it's, it's, it's quite a few floors, but the, the 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 main ones for me that I think make me question their ability to compete for the top four. I, I, they've somehow ended up in a situation where they're still not a reliable source of goals. And yeah, Sterling, I've, I've been impressed on occasion by how he's performing. Uh, Mudrick, some green shoots there, looks like it. But with nobody, I look in that side and think, okay, they're going to get me 20 or they're going to get me a, a guaranteed goal score week in, week out. Uh, Jackson. Yeah. Talented, like inexperienced, but talented. And I think that that's the second point as well. And I thought you saw this against Arsenal in the crunch moments when the intensity ratchets up, when you're, de- when you're up against it, even at home, where are the leaders? Where are the ones who are actually going to get you out of that situation or manage those situations? Yes, they got Thiago Silva, uh, he's, you know, an experienced player, also an experienced player yeah. who's been on, been on the end of some of the most humiliating defeats ever. I have to, do have to put that up there, unfortunately, for him. But, um, yeah, I think that there's a lack of experience in that side, which makes them exciting, makes them inconsistent. Um, there's a lack of goals in that side. And it's just still tactically, yeah, we're, we're still questioning who they are. What is this side? I think, I think we, we need to see a season from them where you get to the end of it and go, okay, this is the, this is the identity. This is what, what they're trying to do. I think there's still that lack of clarity that me for me, if you want to be a top four contender, you either have exceptional talents that drive you there, yeah, despite not being the finished article as a side, or you yeah. are co- you're you're a coherent side with a number of cogs in 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 the positions that do their role. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. We spoke about Villa, we spoke about Newcastle. I don't see that at Chelsea just yet. Um, so that's that for them. I don't, I don't see it personally. Uh, I think Europa, um, perhaps, but yeah, we'll see. United, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can. I don't. I don't think United's worst rivals could have envisaged a more chaotic, disrupted start to the season if they tried. To be honest, off the pitch issues, on the pitch issues, uh, fallouts between managers and and high profile, big big money signings. I. I, I get the impression people aren't enjoying it. You know, again, we've seen these United sides over the years, not looking like they're having the happiest time in the world. I get that impression again at the moment. I'm not sure many of them are really loving playing for Manchester United at the moment. There's a great deal of pressure that's on them, a pressure that's on the manager. Uh, I, 
again that that word we've spoken about throughout the pod clarity you know coherence uh, they're lacking it big time um consistent goals consistent goals we saw what Rashford did last season been a bit more difficult for him this time round so far I think he's still a good player of course but he's never to me proven that he's going to be that you know 20 a goal season player they spend big money on Hoyland he's mm. come in again young inexperienced you know could be really exciting for the future but yeah for me it's the I mean, there's leaders in that United side. We've spoken about the the importance of experience, but they're leaders on the, I think, on the decline. Yeah, there's a reason why they were sold. And I I think they're players who at their peak used to be able to do the sorts of things we've we've spoken about with other players who, you know, when the tide's against you, they they can turn it again and they can stop that tide and they can keep a grip on a game for you. Casemiro, Varane, there's some big, big players. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's such disruption off the pitch. It doesn't seem like the most united camp, excuse the pun, uh, you know, like in the dressing room, I, I get I get the impression there's not, everyone's not pulling in the same direction, not fully believing it just yet. And the manager's under pressure as well. We see what happens, what can happen when they go on a bad run, uh, the criticism he faces. So for me, no, I don't, I don't see it. I, I don't see it personally. I think, I think they're better than what we're seeing right now, for sure. But perhaps the quality alone will will drag them up there. But I think this is this is an inconsistent side, uh, and I, I think this is the side and a club at the moment that seems to be a little bit devoid of the, of of the belief of the optimism that we've spoken about at some of the other clubs. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree uh, wholeheartedly with everything you've said there, especially United, that just it seems carnage in everything off the field and it's naturally seeping into what's happening on the pitch. Both those clubs as well, that they almost is trying not to group them together, but under the umbrella of spent absolute fortunes in the summer and simply didn't get what they needed. Now, Chelsea, a bit of bad luck. I think it was in Cuckoo they got from Red Bull, wasn't it? And got an injury straight away. He could have been, I think, a real good oh, player yeah. up top for them, no doubts. But real game changer. It, yeah, yeah it, it's a shame almost they've not got to, to see that because that is what Chelsea lack. Goals, and they seem to be buying again. More attacking midfielders as ever to try and compensate for that. United as well. I mean... For the money they spent, it just seems absolutely terrible. Again, Mason Mount doesn't seem to fit. Maybe the less said about Onana, the better at the moment from what we've seen of all keepers that we've talked about. You know, mm, Hudlund yeah. looks like he's got potential, but for that money, is he getting the goals? Or is he going, you know, what are the expectations? I, I just cannot see it as well, combined with the likes of you said, the fading legs potentially of Varane, Casemiro. I think... They will have an influence at times, but I would suspect they will fall short of their own. Also, home form. David, yeah. we spoke about the importance of you know, creating that fortress at home. I, I think it's, I mean, he, he did it last season. He he managed to cultivate that last season, Eric Ten Hag, in, in making Old Trafford a difficult place to come to. I mean, I think, I think some of that run was you know, a bit more, maybe flatter to see than um, maybe it was, but. I think yeah, they, they had that consistency at home, and it's you know, it's evaporated so far this season. We've seen you know, multiple sides go there uh, and show no fear, and show that there is little to be feared. So I think that's that's a big issue for them. Same with Chelsea as well. You need you need to develop that consistency at home as a basis, a foundation for launching a top four challenge. And I, the one thing with Chelsea, I did miss out. You mentioned Nkuku. You're right too. He could be a real game changer. Uh, I think also could be a game changer is if if they get that unit of Fernandez and Caicedo and one other to really click, that is a foundation that you can really build upon. I thought that's what you saw against Arsenal, dominated Arsenal's midfield, even with the high-profile signing you know, of Rice. But I thought yeah, that you could see that, that Chelsea unit with Gallagher, perhaps maybe he, they need an upgrade on his role. But I think if they can get that right, there is a real foundation there to become a steelier side. So yeah, I did want to go back to that. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I was thinking with United, it, it seems Marcus Rashford almost takes one season off, goes well, and looks back to the off switch again as well. So that played a big part in them last season. It's It will be interesting to see. And Harry, 
we have reached that time. We are going yeah. to have to stick our necks on the line because we've talked through them. We, we've run it, analysed the runners and riders. Mm. The normal question people will ask, Harry, is give me your top four. However, because I think it is, it is competitive, I want to give it that at the moment. There is a lot of teams that can be in the mix. I'm going to ask you, Harry, in ranking, natural ranking order, top to one to six, for your top six. Who do you think finishes where in that top six? Yeah, I think... I think Aston Villa finished sixth. I think they, perhaps they just miss out in the end. Um, but that's a huge improvement. I think that's something to be celebrated yeah. if they were to do that. Um, Newcastle. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> I think I think, yes, um, I think yeah, I think fifth uh, Tottenham fifth. Tottenham fifth. Um I think I think we spoke about the precarity of their charge and I think it's there's more holes I can see. Uh, maybe I'm being biased. Maybe, maybe Madison's going to continue on this red hot form and they're going to ride the Ange wave all the way through. But yeah, fifth. Um, again, which I think I mean, I might, might sound disparaging uh, at this point. I don't think that would be a bad season at all. For, Not at all. Not for, at all. For Spurs. Newcastle, I see them doing it again. I do. I do see them like, providing that consistency again. I think that I just think the foundation is strong enough. Uh, they're, they're greater than the sum of their parts. That it might just creep in there again. Um, but Europe could derail them. But I'm going to have to go. Yeah, Newcastle four, fourth. So now, yeah, now it becomes interesting. So now I can, yeah, now I can annoy some people. Anyway, so <laughs> I'll say, um, I will say. Arsenal third. I will say, uh, yeah, I'll say Arsenal. Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I think my own colours are pushing me to this. Arsenal third, Liverpool second, City first. Uh, I think, and the reason I think the firepower of Liverpool will steam edge out Arsenal, but a lot needs to a lot needs to fall their way. Didn't even mention. Alexander Arnold in the entire Liverpool segment, so that's another it's another potential ace in the hole. But yeah, I'd say third Arsenal, second Liverpool. Unfortunately, wow. top the Death Star. Interesting. So just to confirm, folks, in reverse order, Harry has gone sixth Villa, fifth Spurs, fourth Champions League spot Newcastle, third Champions League spot Arsenal, second Champions League spot Liverpool. And City take the title. Now, interestingly, I've not got too different, mm. in all honesty. I do think Villa will finish six. And that's, I know there'll be, I know a few Villa fans will be thinking, you know, we're Champions League contenders. Absolutely. I think it's fair to label you that right now. But for all those reasons we mentioned, maybe the possibly just a lack of experience, the smallest squad out of all those, it does count in the long run. So that's why I've put them sixth. Fifth, this is fascinating. The only difference between us, Harry, I should say to start with, I've actually got the top three the same. I've gone City to win it. I actually think they might win it a canter. I've just got the sneaking feeling. No. Liverpool second, Arsenal third, which will be the closest. The only yeah. variation, I just get this sneaking suspicion that Europe especially plays the part and it will just take that bit of toll on Newcastle, who will finish fifth. Mm. And Spurs will sneak into the top four. Now, I'm going to be yeah, honest, I could easily rotate fourth and fifth around, if I'm honest, but I'm pretty entrenched with the top three in that regard. And the very, very final question I'll ask is, yeah. we, we've talked about them, so we don't need to go into massive depth, but just in positions, because we, you know we're going to have Arsenal fans, Liverpool fans, of course. Saying it, but, yeah, yeah. But we're going to have people shouting at us who are Chelsea and United fans. Yeah, Where are you going to put them in the final table, Chelsea and United? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you shout at me. You should probably shout at you. 
Shout out your team. Well, I'm sure I'm sure they are shouting at their teams. Um, I, I, honestly, I, I, I'm I'm answering your question by just jumping to another point, just super quickly, because I feel like I have to do it. Um, I think you know I don't want to be disrespectful. I think they're the best run club in the league. I think Brighton. We've not mentioned them at all, and I just wonder. Yeah, true. I just just wonder how far they can go. Uh, I think they got Europe as well, which I think is is proving to be tough. I think the depth will hurt them. I, I just think that we have to say that. If Brighton finish anywhere between fifth and seventh, or fifth and yeah, fifth and eighth, that is incredible. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, true. And they they should win a lot of plaudits for it. I think that that's a, a real example uh, to a lot of other clubs. United, Chelsea, Chelsea. I think will finish. Chelsea seventh. I think just I think I think I think they if they they've got quality there they've got a good manager they've got they have the the makings of foundation uh, of defensive foundation there and they have Kunku to come back could be a real catalyst for them second half of the season if he's if he's expected to play much part I think there's uh, there's enough there's enough there for it to start turning in the right direction uh, seems a bit more coherent to me than United. United, uh, I mean, I'm just going to get hate regardless, but I think they stay where they are. Um, maybe that's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I've just seen nothing to suggest that there's, there's a consistency there and a belief so far this season. Um, be interesting to revisit this. Maybe if we do one in the, in the middle of the season, um, just to see where we're at, Dave. But at the moment, They've done nothing to me to, to to prove that they're going to be much different from where they currently are. How about yourself? Yeah, it's it's hard, and maybe this is just because of what's happened historically. I think that there'll be more pain at United because of mm. you know and Chelsea because the you know the, the deficiencies are what they are, and they always count in the end. However, I do think both clubs will have periods. I think I'd almost be more hopeful for Chelsea because Pochettino feels yeah. like he's building something there. Ten Hag, and I'm not saying it's collapsing around him, that's probably too strong, but there just seems to be chaos everywhere. The only thing that's interesting United or the curveball is, listen, if this Ratcliffe money is coming in and there is huh. money to spend again, you never know what will happen January-wise again, do your type of thing. But... I could be well wrong, and it would surprise me. I do not say this with confidence. I actually think Brighton will be the Chelsea United sandwich, so to speak. I think seventh <laughs> Chelsea, eighth Brighton, ninth United. Wow! But I, I, could, <laughs> I could easily flip those around. I wouldn't. I am not stating those with confidence, Harry. Put it that way. You know, nothing would yeah. sort of surprise me a full rotation, but. Ladies and gents, if you think we both agreed on City to win it, we think that. We both think it's Liverpool and Arsenal fighting for the second and third. We're pretty certain. Mm -hmm. We swithered on our Champions League spots. There's a Spurs-Newcastle debate to be had. And we both have Villa in a, a creditable six before any villains start shouting at us at all. However, we would understand if there's a few messages of hate from Chelsea and United fans because we do not predict success for them. And like Harry said, we will revisit this later in the season. We have gone through it all. We have taught runners and riders, contenders, fallers, top four. All it really leads me to say is, Harry, thank you for your time and analysis, sir. Much appreciated as ever. Yeah, no worries. Good stuff. And ladies and gents, that was the EPL Index Special of runners and riders. Sports Social Podcast Network.